I love overdrive. I do a lot of tweets because I think people always think that knowledge is out of their hands. And yep. I'm like, here it is for free, for free. It's a beautiful service. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 501 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Welcome. Um, I'm so excited for y'all to listen to this episode today. We sort of talked about it a little bit on Thursday's 500th episode. Today's interview um, is one I did with Rachel True, who is an actress and an author. She is most well known for her role in um, The Craft, which uh, I love. I love that movie. And so I was very excited to talk to her about her new tarot book and tarot deck, True Heart Intuitive Tarot. It is, you know, even if you are not at all familiar with tarot and are interested in getting started, it's a wonderful resource. The deck is fantastic. And the book, you know, Rachel does a really good job of um, explaining tarot, but also if you're someone who is familiar with tarot like I am, it's a, you know, a, a good resource to kind of do a deeper dive into interpretations of cards. So we talk tarot, we talk um, writing. Rachel is a huge Overdrive fan, I found out, which was hilarious. It's always fun. You know, we do this thing whenever we're, in, uh, whenever we are meeting an author for the first time for an interview, we always ask if they're familiar with Overdrive. And I'm not even kidding you. As soon as I signed on to our Zoom call, she um, she tells me that she was doing research on the podcast and discovered we were hosted by Overdrive and just started gushing. It was, it was delightful. So, you know, if you're not already using Overdrive or Libby, for your ebooks and audiobooks from your library, well, you should listen to Rachel True and get it. Um, yeah, I think that's all I have for right now. Um, if you want to get a hold of us, you can go to our website, professionalbooknerds.com. We are on Twitter and Instagram at ProBookNerds, and you can email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. Um, I think that's all I got. I think that's everything. So with that, I hope you enjoy this week's episode and my interview with Rachel True on the Professional Book Nerds podcast. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. I already got so much about how I love Overdrive and the library system. I don't know if you caught that already, but I'm doing it again because I want your listeners to know that I'm just such a fan of the public library system and how it can open up a world. For anyone, I lived in books because you could be anyone and be anywhere. Yes, yes. And I can confirm you did gush about it. So we appreciate you doing it again, though. <laughs> I did. I recall myself, by the way, a tarot practitioner. I did okay. read. I read for my friends my whole life, and I did read publicly for a little while. But now I kind of um, love the idea. It's why I wrote the book, by the way, uh, so that people could learn the system and learn it themselves. And then they don't have to rely on other people 
or yes. spend money, frankly, you know, um, because it can get quite expensive. A friend of mine wrote a book called Psychic Junkie about being addicted to this sort of thing. So that's why I was like, wait, I'd love to write a book and explain it, hopefully, in an easy to digest way so people can see uh, it's not as complicated as as you think. But the project itself, by the way, was complex because there's 22 memoir essays in there as well, as well as, um, you know, being a first time writer and wanting to satisfy the tarot community. Yeah. And there's so very many different interpretations of cards, which is why I call my breakdowns of them interpretations, not definitions. Right. Yeah. Um, which I actually really um, appreciated that, you know, when... Um, your publisher reached out to me to ask if I wanted to talk to you. They mentioned that, you know, you, your approach to tarot is very similar to my approach to tarot in that you don't necessarily do it as a future telling or divination for you. It's about, you know, self-exploration and a good reading provides possible outcomes So, you know, could you maybe talk a little bit more about that and like what you mean by that? Well, you know, so for people who don't know, tarot card is a system of 78 cards. 22 of them are major arcanas. The rest are minor. The major ones kind of cover big events in your life. The minor are more the day-to-day minutiae. So the truth is, you know what? You can actually use a tarot deck to divine and all that. You absolutely can. But focus of my book is kind of get to know the system first because what I like to say especially to young girls these days is learn you have to learn to walk before you ride your broomstick (laughs) fly your broomstick you know and sometimes getting a basis in in what what you're actually doing because you know the cards themselves are just paper cardboard with images on them there's nothing woo woo there's nothing particularly magical about paper cards and right. i think you would agree with that right yes the magic happens with how we viscerally connect to the symbology on the card how that hits us viscerally what that unlocks in our subconscious and that opens up a whole new world of seeing how we could walk through life so i come from a school of um thought with tarot. Uh, I used to love Mary Kay Greer books when I was uh, coming up because we didn't have the internet, right? We did, but we didn't. So I'll speak for myself, not you, Jill, but we, you know, it was, it was a long time ago and I had to go to the library, go to bookstores, research. Uh, Mary Kay Greer has tremendous books, still really valid teacher with a great website. And she comes from a school of Jungian tarot. Carl Jung used these cards with his patients Mm -hmm. to help break into what's going on with them and the collective consciousness and what what was unlocked in their subconscious. So quite often I just find, especially during a year like this, right? A crazy, weird pandemic year when we don't know what's happening. Tarot is a beautiful tool for self-soothing and calming oneself down. You know, yeah. uh, because anxiety is rampant. So mm-hmm. as I always say, you you know, I use the term higher self in the book. If you are super religious, you may say, I want to hear God more clear. But tarot is a great way to clear away the noise and subterfuge and all the, the low vibe, little devil on your shoulder bull s that yeah. you might hear so that you can actually figure out why you're making choices and what I like about tarot is it puts the onus back on me. So for example, if, if I'm talking to my friend or, or I'll use myself, if I'm constantly <laughs> complaining to you, Jill, about, I can you believe 
what a horrible person my boyfriend is. Can you believe he did this to me? And you know, the only one who can't believe it is probably me. You've heard it a million times. You can believe it, yep. you've heard it. So what I love with tarot is it encourages us to go, okay, okay, yes, yes, maybe that person is untoward. But the bigger question is why are you, Rachel, engaging with someone who's untoward? What are you getting out of calling mm -hmm. Jill up and complaining? So I think it puts a lot of power back on us and empowers us to change and for the better. And yes, by the way, it does unlock your intuition. That's why I wrote the book, because one of the ways to get to being a little psychic witch or whatever you want to be um, is to start and, and start with this stuff. Because when we get a little clearer, that is when we unlock our true intuition. So that's my take on it. No, I, I think that's, I think that's great. Um, I read in an interview that you actually first got into tarot and the occult when you were pretty young, which as a fellow Scorpio actually makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> um, so uh, in like a weird Wikipedia stalker way, our birthdays are only a couple of days apart. So first happy belated birthday, Thank but you. also um, what, you know, was that initial draw to tarot for you, especially at such a young age? Well, at a very young age, and I, I was taught to read at like four to five, right? So um, my parents had a bookcase, and the two books I pulled down were Carl Jung's Man and His Symbols and Nietzsche's Beyond Good and Evil. Now, I'm pretty sure I wasn't really reading them, right? Because I could read, but, you know. Right, uh, yeah. I, I did get to skip kindergarten, by the way. I, okay. They put me in kindergarten in a group that couldn't read, and little, little Scorpio me went, I can read, you know, <laughs> and they skipped me up. But... <laughs> But I was drawn to those two books probably by the images on the cover, some of the keywords. Uh, Man and his symbols has a lot of, you know, images in it. So then, cut to a few years later, a friend of my parents comes over with a tarot deck. And I'm like, oh, my God, wait, I, I know these images. These images are reminding me of something. It's striking me that this is a language, mm -hmm. these cards, and that I could parse it. I could learn to speak it. So that began, I would say, my lifelong interest in tarot. So, yes, way before... <laughs> the craft I always say the craft script came to me because I was into all this stuff because and this is again a true story but nine months before the craft script came to me my tv broke I only had three channels and I was like what do I do and then I was like well a little voice inside me my higher self my intuition said yep. don't fix it you need to be doing something else with this time and I was like but I love tv and it was like no don't fix so anyway I didn't <laughs> fix it and I really delved into my tarot studies. I'd already been doing tarot for years, but I thought, no, now it's copious notebooks, grimoires, so that I could see the patterns, which cards kept coming up, which cards clustered together, dot, dot, dot. Cut to six, uh, nine months later, two guy friends come over. They're like, it's just a wire on your TV. And they fixed it like in two seconds. And then the next week, the craft script lands. And I thought, isn't this uh, serendipitous, right? Mm -hmm. That I prepared for this without knowing it. Right. And I think I'm talking about this um, for listeners out there because that's quite often I find how life is. You, do, you don't know why you're taking that capoeira class, but for all you know, my next role might be a capoeira, you know? So right. the way that things dovetail and fit together is kind of neat. No, I agree. Yeah, I think that's really wonderful. Um, and I love that you described tarot as kind of a language and the symbols as this language that you can, um, you know, study and understand. That's just a really great, I mean, you sort of, you know, you think about it like 
words are built from letters that you sort of put together. And in some ways, tarot works the same way, different cards, you put them in different combinations and a different interpretation comes out. Absolutely. And um, as some people who are familiar with tarot know, you can read a card upright or reversed, right? And that is always so confusing to people, but to make it simple, reversed, which I don't actually do. I do something called high vibe and low vibe, but reversed, if you're struggling with what does this mean, reverse, think of it as just blocked energy from mm -hmm. the upright. Whatever the upright is, it ain't that. <laughs> it's kind of just, you know, that energy could possibly be there, but it's blocked or it's just not there, right? Yeah. So, uh, but I talk about high and low vibe because the way I learned to read wasn't, I don't know, I just didn't, I just didn't love reversals. So I liked using my intuition to decide, was this card in high vibe, meaning the best sense of the card, or was it in the heavier, more murkier energy? And I decided to go with high and low vibe because each and every card, there are definitely some scary cards in the deck that's just a truth right yep. people are like every yep. card is great i'm like well some cards are heavier i think they are you know i don't want to see the five of swords all the time <laughs> but i went with high and low because each card even the wacky ones have a high vibe for example the tower card which to me is one of the most heaviest craziest yes. cards in the deck even over death which is our scorpio card right yep um death is transformation which is why i went with the imagery on that card i love uh, it the, yeah. thank you the tower is more of a i'm not saying the tower is a death card but i'm saying out of any card in the deck that can be <laughs> one that's like final but the best sense of that card would be a bolt of spiritual enlightenment right or uh i get a job to a movie that shoots in south africa tomorrow and i have to pack up today and i was expecting to have two weeks some kind of thing like that where it just shifts everything. Yep. That's the best sense of the card. The worst sense is everything is destroyed <laughs> because it was built on a, fa a faulty foundation. If we're looking at the biblical story of the Tower of Babel. And that's another thing for people out there, especially my black brothers and sisters who are like, oh, it's scary. And it's out of alignment with Christ consciousness. I'm like, respectfully, no, it's not. Um, it's actually a beautiful thing in tandem with religion or in tandem with therapy. It's amazing because I stand by what I say on the back of my box that it's like a, a shrink in a box or a mm -hmm. spiritual Xanax. You know, again, it's a way to learn. All our parents either tried to do the best they could. Maybe they didn't, but they tried, whatever. But we, we often don't have all the skills we need to carry on in life. And here is a way to retrain yourself. I've got exercises in the book and things like that that hopefully can help people. And I talk about um, learning the cards, getting to know the cards. There's 78 of them. It's so intimidating. So I put in a little actor's tip for how to emotionally connect with the cards, as well as a, uh, some basic numerology stuff. Because if you just learn what one through 10 means and the four suits, like for example, if you know the number five means conflict and change, mm -hmm. and you know that the swords there are four suits, earth, air, fire, water, swords, representing air, mind. So if I tell you five is conflict and change, and you know it's swords, mind, air, you might know there's some conflict around a mental thing going on without even touching a deck. Yep. It's yeah. not that simple. I'm not trying to say the whole thing is that simple. That's the first level or layer to the card. Obviously, a card has many dynamics going on within it. And as I said to um, a couple other practitioners out there, I wrote a book. I have decades of experience in this. I wrote a book on it and I am still a student of tarot. I will be a student of tarot for the rest of my life because my relationship with the cards changes the dynamic with them. 
for example, when I was 20, I, I was so intimidated by the high priestess. I thought she also all the decks were so Anglo then, too. Yes. So it was like this buttoned up, frigid looking woman in the deck I had. And I thought, oh, she's not fun right now. Now I'm like, I priestess, you don't know what she has on under the robes. You don't know what she has going on. You know, she just doesn't give it all away. Yep. So I felt very connected to her when I was writing the book. I'm trying to get into a queen of wands energy now so I can maybe get a date into the pandemic, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and now we'll take a quick break for a word from this week's sponsors. We're only weeks away from Giving Tuesday, an international day of charitable giving at the beginning of the holiday season. If you want to be confident your dollars are doing the most good, go to givewell.org. For over 10 years, givewell.org has helped donors find the charities and projects that save and improve lives most per dollar. Here's how. GiveWell dedicates over 20,000 hours a year researching charitable organizations and handpicks a few of the highest impact, evidence-backed charities. All of that research is publicly available for free on their website. And more importantly, GiveWell never takes any fees, so all of your tax-deductible donations are given to the charity you choose. I love that they sort of help you with that research aspect because... It's sometimes hard to find out where the money you donate is going and, you know, you want to make sure that the money that you are giving to an organization is doing the most good and GiveWell helps with that. Since 2010, GiveWell has helped over 50,000 donors direct over $500 million to the most effective charities. Most importantly, these donations will save over 75,000 lives and improve the lives of millions more. If you want your donation to have even more impact, act soon. Any of our listeners who become new GiveWell donors will have their first donation matched up to $250 when you go to givewell.org slash probooknerds, select podcast and professional book nerds at checkout. This matching offer is good for as long as funds last. This is a special chance for even a small donation to make a big impact. Get your first donation matched up to $250 when you go to givewell.org slash probooknerds and select podcast and professional book nerds at checkout. For kids, it's never easy to find the right gift. We're always slyly listening for clues as to what they want. But this entire crazy year, your little ones have been practically yelling at what they want. They want adventure, laughter, camaraderie, normalcy. That's why they need Literati Kids. Literati Kids is a subscription book club that sends five beautiful children's books to your door each month, handpicked by experts. Literati Kids has book clubs for children's ages 0 to 12, and each club has age-appropriate selections tailored to what your child needs, or in my case, what your nephew needs. It's tough sorting through the millions of kids' books released every year, trying to find rich, engaging stories for your child. Literati Kids takes care of that. You won't get this kind of expert curation anywhere else. 
and gift subscriptions are available for one, three, six, or 12 months of books. It's a great way to keep the holiday magic going through 2021, whether you're gifting a niece, a grandson, a friend's child, or your own. So go to literati.com slash probooknerds for 25% off your first two orders and pick your kid's book club gift today. Remember, no one else has kids books like these. Only at literati.com slash probooknerds can you get 25% off your first two orders and receive five incredible kids books curated by experts delivered to your door every month. So go to literati.com slash probooknerds. Make your little one's holiday season unforgettable this year. Yeah, I wanted to talk about the art because your interpretations of the card as, you know, um, illustrated with these gorgeous artwork is so inclusive, which is just really wonderful. And I have no doubt that was intentional, but you know, what was your process for designing the artwork and interpretations of each card? Well, can I just say that as a first time offer, everything was so fabulous and traumatizing all at the same time. <laughs> about like right. all of it, from <laughs> writing the book to, cause I had a lot of people offer to write my book for me. Cause I'm an actor. Cause a lot of actors don't write their own books. And right. I was like, no, no, I, I'm Rachel Drew. I'm an avid reader. This is a dream come true. Uh, I am very grateful for my editors, though. Learned a lot about how my third paragraph becomes my first and my first becomes <laughs> my third and things like that. But as far as the artwork, I work with a Canadian artist called Stephanie Singleton. Very talented, as you can see. Mm-hmm. And it was an interesting process because I'm very hands on. I wanted to go to Canada and, and, you know, and she was like, oh, I don't work that way. And I was like, OK, <laughs> so I wrote up basically like a second novelette for her. I'm working on the book and then I'm also pulling artwork and then, you know, showing the writer Wade Smith card, writing up that description then telling her my description and then uh, exactly what I wanted. Like, uh, for example, the um, let's I keep thinking of the eight of swords because that just keeps coming up for me lately, which is not Fine. the funnest card. <laughs> it's not, but it's not. But came up with the, that image was um, around the time I was working on that. The, the swords, I think all my hair broke off. And, you know, as a woman, I never realized how much ego. Well, I did know how much ego I'd wrapped up in my hair, but that's what I love tarot for. It really like, you know, kind of lets you check in. Is your ego ruling you or are you ruling your ego, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, the, the concept of the eight of swords and the Rider Waite Smith is the same as mine, which is there's a person in the original Rider Waite tied to a sword. There's uh, blindfolds on them, but they're not on very tight. They, the person, the concept of the card is this person is tied to this situation, but they could probably get out of it if they wanted. They're almost yep. choosing maybe the way we subconsciously choose to stay in a bad situation because we don't see a way out. Right. So my hair had all broken off. So I was like, OK, I want like a person floating above. And then I want little bits of I want their hair tied to the sword, because in the end, it doesn't hurt the person to cut off that little bit of split ends in my card to, to leave and go mm-hmm. on to their life. But the ego, my ego didn't want to cut off the little dead ends for the yep. longest time because it was an inch of length. Right. So I was sticking with something out of fear of maybe not looking attractive or whatever it was. And that, so I bounced around some concepts like that, basically off what was actually happening in my life. And Stephanie, Singleton came up with that fabulous octopus shape of the hair, which is great for that card, the way that we are tentacled into situations at times. So 
A lot of it was, um, I, I'm a bit of a micromanager when it came to the deck though, because <laughs> I was the one who knew. So I knew what I like. We went through three different iterations of how the hair tied to the sword. <laughs> <laughs> no, that makes, that makes sense. I think, you know, when I'm looking through, um, your deck and looking through the art that, that she did, you know, I, I appreciate the, the tradition and history of the classic Rider Waite Smith deck that you mentioned. I never particularly felt drawn to the art. Um, but I do like modern interpretations of it, like the modern witch tarot, which is you know, great. That's a great deck. Fantastic. Yes. And it's multicultural as well. Exactly. Um, and what I like about yours is that, uh, you know, you, you do have some of that symbolism from the original writer Wade Smith, but you, there is like this slight spin on it, which um, adds new depths, I think, to the cards. Well, I wanted to modernize them, but have respect for Pamela Coleman Smith, the original artist. And she was actually cut out of the whole deck until like yesterday, but yeah. well, very recently. And she was a mixed woman. So a Renaissance woman really of that time of Bohemian that I very much could relate to. So I did want to keep some cards kind of close because that just made sense to me, but other ones I definitely veer off and I wanted which I think we captured um, kind of a, a modern, but pop art, well, you know, I love mm -hmm. pop art. So I wanted that. But what I also was important to me was to have a deck that felt good. I have lots of decks as you, maybe you do too, that I use for different They're moods. They're all behind like, me actually, like way oh. back there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. They're all back there. Different... There they are. <laughs> I use them for different moods. Yep. You know what I mean? Like if I want it brutal and bloody, I'll use the Thoth or Thoth sometimes, or, you know, I skip around. But what I wanted to create in my deck all right, here's the thing. I bought some modern decks and some of them felt real heavy. Yeah. And by that, I mean, like maybe the person was in a heavy space or was depressed or something like that. And that makes a great deck, by the way. I'm not knocking the decks, but I'm saying I wanted a deck that felt made someone feel good when yeah. they picked it up and lighter. And, and a friend described it as, I love your deck. It's like a warm blanket, a comfortable mm -hmm. blanket. And I thought, oh, that's great because that is kind of, I wanted it to be welcoming as opposed to heavy and intimidating. Now there's a place for each and every one of those decks. So I'm not knocking. I'm simply saying what I wanted was joy. Yeah. I like it high vibe. I like to make people happy. Like someone asked me why I wear this one necklace all the time. And I think way back, I've had it for like 20 years. And in the beginning, it might've been like, hey, everyone look at my necklace. But it quickly became, oh, when I wear this and I go to the store, the store clerk who's grumpy looks up and all of a sudden their face lights up when they see the necklace and their vibe raises. Mm -hmm. So I realized it's not about me. It's about that it makes people happy. And I want to raise the vibe where I go, whether with my own energy or a necklace or whatever it is, I want to leave people feeling better than <laughs> when I showed up, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I have, um, I want to say like a dozen tarot decks and then a couple Oracle decks. And yeah, you know, they each, each of them are very different in terms of the art style and yeah, the vibe that I get from them. And so it just sort of depends on how I'm feeling. And I kind of cycle through them depending on the season, depending on my mood. Um, yeah, so I well, they, like that. Yeah, I mean, it is really really specific everyone is specific in their practice too so you know one one may be drawn to like a lisa frank deck with a you know a puppy on a log chasing a rainbow yep 
that's great. You can divine, you can tell, you can, you can discern with that deck. But my point for writing my book, and it's like a 200 plus page book. It's not just a little pamphlet. It's not, it's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to write a whole book with page long interpretations and my essays and spreads and things. Um, because it's so much easier to understand that puppy dancing on a log. <laughs> if you actually know what the card means, there's a lot right. of there's also, I wanted to stay away from like Bavarian serving wenches. The internet YouTube is full of decks, full of that. <laughs> uh, and I interviewed a couple other artists. There was a great artist I met and he was a fine art. He was very into fine art. And I love that, but it was so Eurocentric that I thought, mm -hmm. no, my goal here, I loved his art though. Would love to work with him again on something else. But for this, I wanted to include, I grew up in New York City. So I wanted to include as many cultures as I possibly could. Obviously I couldn't fit them all in. But that's how I grew up seeing all different skin tones and cultures and things. And it actually really tickled my heart that a girl from India commented and said, thank you so much for the two of cups card. Yeah, it, it, it meant a lot because you don't know if anyone's going to notice. But I wanted to try to say, no, I recognize your culture, you know, and the impact it's had on the world. Yeah, no, it's a very multicultural deck. It's it's fantastic. I'm a mixed um, black Jewish chick, you know? So I was like, <laughs> I, I got to switch it up. Got to switch it up. Deck. No. Yeah, and for sure. I thought, you know, that the designing the deck was super hard and intimidating because you want to, <laughs> you know, you know, people are going to look at it eventually. But it was interesting as an actor, um, when so I do a movie and someone sees it or a TV show, whatever, I'm like, oh yeah, I did that. But with a book, it's so personal, you know, it occurred to me like, oh, shite people are gonna read this <laughs> mm -hmm. and you do include personal essays in there sort of you know that tie in with the cards yeah I thought that was a good way to you know everybody we're always looking for angles to make something a little different too than every other book that's out there so I thought well this is a way where I can show my personal also I get asked so many nosy dm questions <laughs> I do I'm like you guys that's so personal would, I, would you ask a stranger on the street that so anyway my my goal was like all right if I put this stuff in the essay form that will satisfy that but then hopefully it's just a little time capsule of a gen x woman's experiences you know my generation and I think it's only 10 years long and it's very specific time mm -hmm. period late 80s 90s into the aughts and now so I I thought it was a way to expand the interpretations of the cards. Because for instance, you wouldn't think, I write about a great love affair uh, I had in my twenties with someone I'm still very good friends with, but I, you'd think it would be under the lovers, right? Because the lovers is, originally it was a card of choice, by the way. Most people would see it and they go, lovers, love, love, love. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, yes, mm -hmm. but yeah, you know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> That's what I mean by the layers of the cards. If you just go by the name, you go star, I'm a star. It's not actually what the card's about. <laughs> but um, so with the lover's essay, I was like, uh, I thought back to that time period and I remember pulling cards. And so I put it under the hanged man because the hanged man mm -hmm. is sometimes a period of maybe doesn't have to be a physical stasis, but just like a, a moment to, to look at things from a different perspective, right? But you might need to be still to do that. And so I felt that way about that relationship because even then I was a Victorian lady who uh, <laughs> didn't really want to date anyone unless I knew we were serious and going to get married. And, you know, I'm still not married, by the way. So, but anyway, I, at that time, the card I pulled a hangman and I was like, what does that mean? Is that terrible? But I thought, no, it is just that for this time of period, 
that we are together, it will be worth it. I will learn things. I will, my world uh, view will change and shift and all of those things that it did. But I was well aware before I even started dating this cat um, that it wasn't going to be forever. He was this super rich European dude. And I just knew, you know, <laughs> I just knew he was going to go back to Europe and live in a castle. But we are still amazing. He's still my champion. He's always been my biggest supporter and fan and someone who recognized that I was a clever gal. Um, and so it made sense because he almost helped shift my perspective of myself too. Uh, mm -hmm. He was, again, one of the first people who's like, you're talented. There is something, everyone else was like, you'll never make it, kid. <laughs> so, you know, it was an important relationship. And I tried to, some of the essays make sense for some of the cards and some may ask people to expand their interpretation of the card. And that's a good thing, I think. No, I, I agree. Um, I think, you know, when it comes to people who are maybe either not familiar with tarot or new to tarot, I think there are a lot of misconceptions, including the fact that there's like only one true, correct interpretation of a card. And I think, you know, adding those stories in definitely, you know, creates a space for people to reconsider what they think the card might be about. Yeah, and I include an exercise in there. Um, I, listen, I am of a school of, I like to look at interpretations, many people's, by the way, because that way you can take it all and make one, you know, your yep. own out of it. And I think a lot of people don't, don't, do, don't do that. But one, one of my exercises in there is like, if you're new to tarot, before you even look up the interpretation, pull out a card. For example, I just pulled this one. He's the zaddy. He's the hot zaddy of the king of wands who you know would would be like if he was a hair younger he'd be an f boy right so yeah. he's a mercurial fun fun <laughs> energy but for example if you don't know tarot and you look at this cat i say just look at the picture what does it make you think feel but who does it does it especially with the court cards which can be so confusing to people people they're just sides of yourself yep or other people around you all they are not that confusing so he is king of wands wands is fire sexy energy passion that that kernel of ah, oh, creativity all of that so i'm always like well who does it remind you of do you have a uncle so-and-so is the life of the party and super fun and just always entertaining and then you don't see him for a couple months but he comes in and he's great and shakes everything up and that's that now you've locked in the feeling or we can say low vibe. Oh, is that that guy? I, you know, I would say the Prince of Wands is more the F boy, but like, you yeah. know, this guy's a little more mature, right? Yeah. You know, he knows he's learned a few lessons, but you know, is it the guy who you've really, the musician? I'll speak for myself. <laughs> I'm, such no, that, yeah. mm -hmm. I'm such a sucker for artists. I'm learning my <laughs> lessons though. Um, but like, is this the musician that you love who'll play you the song, but you know, like may play, maybe playing some other women the song too. I don't know. <laughs> You know, like personalize the card yeah. is what I'm saying, especially if you can attach an actual kind of episode from your life, because I know as an actor that locks in a feeling and we store feelings in, in our muscle memory. And so it's kind of locked in there now without having to rote memorize. The last thing I want anyone to do with tarot is rote memorization. It doesn't work that way. It's kind of yep. easier to learn. I mean, yes, read the book, do do do, but you learn as you go. So don't worry if you don't know all the cards. My other thing that was, don't be charging people if you got to look stuff up. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. It fair. is, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, 
practice on your friends and yeah. do that and da, 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 da. but like if you still have to look it up that's just my opinion but again i encourage people to learn on their own because what i've seen is you know it's very popular right now fruza balk and i from the craft kind of giggle mm-hmm. together that we helped we were giggling recently about it we're like first of all we're funko pop second of all <laughs> you we- are <laughs> Second of all, we're like, we're faceless creatures, plastic creatures. Um, <laughs> but also just giggling that her and I were the two people in the movie into the subject matter and that that movie did help bring it to the forefront of pop culture, at least. It's just a silly teen movie, but it was kind of, it's culty for a reason, you know? Right. Um, and I want people to sort of understand that this is actually... When you take off all the woo-woo, it's a real practical thing. And we're really just getting in touch with our ancestor energy more than anything, you know? And it is, again, I reiterate, not out of alignment with any Judaism or Christianity or anything, you know? It's really not. It's just another way to help you hear that message uh, clearer. Yeah. No, I think you talk about how um, for people new or, you know, even continuing like having your own tarot journal, which um, I do have, like I have my little tarot journal and I write... And I also sort of, you know, there's also along with the decks, there's a couple of different books I have back there. And I agree that getting a lot of interpretations from a lot of different sources helped me personally, like hone in on what I interpreted the cards. Yeah. What resonated with you? Because again, some things aren't going to write, you may see some and you just can't wrap your head around it. And that's fine. Yep. Because you know what, 20 years from now, you you might be struck and get that thing, or you might not, but you've developed your own practice. It's a very personal practice. And I'm, (laughs) I'm at that, like, get off my lawn age, right? So (laughs) I'm trying to like, I'm trying to not be though, because sometimes when I see, listen, I, I think there's a lot of really good readers on YouTube and there's also some biggest card sharks on YouTube. So I think it's a little too easy to pick and choose the reading that you want to hear. And yeah. that's why I wrote the book so that you could re- do your own reading. Because again, even with something like astrology, right? That's based on your sign and where the planets are. When someone does a tarot reading, a general tarot reading for Gemini, what does that really mean for you? Right. Not that much other than it's entertaining to listen to. Um, and maybe you can learn some card interpretations. Although, you know, here's there's a modern interpretation of the page of swords that I agree with. I, I'll buy that is like they're stalking your social media or they're looking at your social media. Right. But I don't agree that the three of every suit means there's an interloper in your relationship. I just don't. And I don't. I don't, I don't, but if you do, that's fine. I'm just saying for me, knowing the cards, unless if I get the three of cups, I am not going to call that an interloper card, unless there are other cards Cards, in the spread in Dick that, that are informing that card. So, you know, I mean, listen, you can get something out of a TikTok poll, but I want, you know, I would encourage the little TikTok, which is to learn what they're talking about as well. (laughs) No, and I think... And I think that's Get off what... my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I think that's a, uh, as I'm like looking at your book, I think that's, what's great is I agree that, you know, I had in the past before I started um, reading tarot for myself, I would, you know, I would pay people and I would just sort of have to trust their interpretations of it and trust that what they were telling me, you know, I, okay, sure. I don't know. And so 
And that's the, someone you were going to for reading for you, sitting with you, because the right. reason I'm saying I'm not, I think a general pull for the day on YouTube, TikTok, great. It's just an energy to be aware sure. of, right? right? Just good to know that people are crabby today or that yeah. the energy is great. But again, once we get into your specific reading, I just think it is too easy to look for the Scorpio reading that says yeah. they're coming back. Yeah, it is. It's it's a it's it's a, it can become a little bit of a trap for those uh, codependents or stuck in limerence. So that's, again, why I encourage people to to learn their own readings. And it's so much less you know expensive. Like people ask me. Uh, I, first of all, I can't, I, I'm not doing readings, um, <laughs> but people ask me and I'm like, first of all, you can't afford me. That's the truth. <laughs> if so-and-so who you don't even know from anything is charging $400, yeah, what do you think sure. I'm charging? Okay. <laughs> so you don't want a reading from me, even though I'm very, very good. <laughs> I have no doubt. But what, but what any good reader does, and I know you know this, is from doing your own practice. Like I said, it really opens up your own intuition. I've always been an intuitive person. I always had the knack to know what someone was going to say or da 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 da. And in fact, for all the empaths out there, I had to learn to shut up sometimes because what I had to learn was, oh, hi, I'm meeting a stranger. I asked them one question and it seems to trigger them and crumple them. Oh, I, Rachel, I'm picking up on their energy. I'm picking up on their thoughts because innately, it's not even a question I would have thought to ask, but it popped in my brain. I ask it, it crumples them. I had to learn to control myself and maybe yeah. not ask every question that came to my head, right? And another tip for empaths out there, because I get a lot of little girls and boys in my DMs going, I'm an empath, what do I do? And I was like, you just be. <laughs> but, um, you know, a lot of people are like, people keep getting so much energy coming at me and everyone's coming at me. And blah, blah. here's the thing, we're never going to change anyone else. So all you can do is develop your own protection mechanism. That's it, right? Uh, when you go out to the super, when I go out to the supermarket, sometimes I picture, well, before COVID, but sometimes I would picture myself in a suit of medieval armor with a, with mm -hmm. a thing, a visor that went down because so much energy was coming at me. So I just say to the people out there who feel this energy or always felt like maybe I'm a little psychic. You probably are. I think everyone is. Some people are just in the peewee leagues and some are at the Super Bowl, right? But you, we mm -hmm. can all develop our skill set, but it is our responsibility. And I only say that because some, I had a couple girls going, I'm an empath. Do I tell people or what do I do? And I'm just like, just be, <laughs> just be you, be the yeah. best you, you can be and use your powers for good. <laughs> right. Yes. Use your powers for good. <laughs> yes. Um, that's actually true from the craft, whatever you put out comes back. That probably is true. More, probably more than times three. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of, I feel like I have to talk about the craft just a little bit, you know, <laughs> I, you know you you talk about you were like um, a little baby when it came out <laughs> no I, i'm i'm older than i look um i was you look uh, like a little baby i think Not i was i was in high school when it came oh, out you were? i was really? yeah <laughs> she has a baby face people <laughs> yeah no i was in high school when the craft came out and you know even now it's especially with the the craft legacy movie but what you know as someone who was in the film what do you think is about the craft that has just created this? It, it is like a cult classic, you know, like what do you think it is that just draws people to it even now to this day? Even though we don't have cell phones in the movie. Right. Uh, <laughs> I think it really hooks into the zeitgeist of the nineties, right? It really captures the ang angst and anger of a generation uh, in a way that a lot of teen movies just don't. And mm -hmm. also 
there uh, I say this a little bit in the book but like when I was coming up again I'm a little older Gen X the images of witches yeah were um, okay yes there was bewitched which is a little earlier but in the 70s I think as a response to the white women's uh revolution um uh, uh, you know, white w- feminist movement, the witches were all disnified, meaning old crones with hair and no unattractive women who'd steal your souls, unattractive right. hags, right? Yeah, like crones, yeah. Crones, yeah. exactly. And so I think once we come around to the craft, it's, oh, wait, these are young, vibrant women. And let's face it, in the movie, when you think about it, the witchcraft is an analogy for burgeoning female sexuality. Absolutely. Think about Right. Because the power when you're, you're a teenager and all of a sudden you start to realize like, oh, look, look at these things I have. Look at all of a sudden I'm considered attractive. And that's pretty heady, you know, and you don't know what to do with it. Do you manipulate people with it? Do you this, do that, whether it's sexuality or magic. Right. So I think that's part of what really worked for that movie, as well as let me just, you know, give my co- co-star Fruza Balk all the props. I mean, she's first of all, an amazing person. Um, she's a tremendous actress and she, I just don't know any other, I don't know any other actress of that time who would have done that role and, and made it what it was. And she is the reason that yeah. it is, you know, I think people gravitate towards it so much. I mean, it's such a raw, powerful performance. And as well, I really think Rochelle's, um, at the time I was on the fence about the racism storyline because in my own life, I was like, oh, well, yeah, racism, of course, I deal with that, but what's my actual problem yeah. <laughs> in the movie? And do the producers and does the world think my blackness is a problem? my problem because she's scarred she's crazy she's burned they actually have these things these physical things and I was like is my blackness the blemish mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. but here's what I'm gonna say coming all this way down you know around to being a grown-up and, and thinking about the movie I'm actually really glad the storyline was in there look at 2020 we know that it is still more prevalent than ever. So that storyline was relevant and a lot of movies skim over that sort of thing right so I, I think it also helped make Rochelle a full, well-rounded character who is not just in service to the white girl in peril lead, which was a trope around that time, yeah. right? The the minority in the cast, as I always joke, is like, are you okay? Because this movie is not about me. It's about you. Are you okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've said, are you okay in so many movies? <laughs> so, so I love that Rochelle is her own character with her own agenda, you yeah. know? And, and that wasn't that common. We were coming out of a period of John... Hughes, John Hughes movies? Is that his name? Um, Pretty in Pink. Yeah, Pretty in Pink, yeah. All those movies, which, you know, I love, but when you look back at them, they're kind of problematic in the sense that, like, there's finally one minority who shows up in one of the movies and and his name and his ethnicity is the the running joke of the movie. And there was never a Black person in one of his movies. So, yeah, no, we were coming out of that time period, and I'm delighted that they took a chance because it was originally an all-white cast really Hmm. yeah and the character was bulimic by the way originally which is kind of why i had that reaction because i thought why can't i be a victim of racism and bulimic (laughs) because that's there you go yeah i mean i I think i write an essay about that by the way in my own life so yeah you know but again delighted to have been in that movie yeah it is it is a classic for reason and as you said you are all now funko pops which (laughs) 
<laughs> it is pretty neat, by the way. So I do know as far as, you know, response to my book, people in the magic world, in the learned magic world have actually been so welcoming. And there's, I know there's a few people out there like, she thinks it's just because of the crap. And that's fine. I don't, you know, I can't worry about other people's opinions yeah. of me. That's what one thing I know as a grown up. And I wish I'd known that as a young girl. Don't you? Don't yeah. you wish you'd known that? Because there's somebody 20 listening who's so upset about what someone else thinks of them. And what I want to say to you is everyone is so self-involved. They are not thinking about you. <laughs> you are <laughs> as not... much as you as yeah. much as you think. Right. Everybody is you... so wrapped up in themselves and their own how people are taking them in that they're giving you so much less thought than you think. <laughs> yes. No, I always say, I'm like, you are not the center of anyone else's universe. Like nobody is paying that much attention to you as you think that's they what, are. That's what I'm saying. And again, yeah. using tarot has been exceptionally helpful to keep me grounded in a world full of smoke and mirrors, Hollywood. Right. Yeah. So I think that's why I was like, this helped me not become an ins well, I'm not saying I'm not insane, but <laughs> this helped me become not a completely insane actor. I know it can help people who, you know, just in any job, just to stay kind of grounded, because I think if you're grounded, you can you can reach for the stars. Okay. Um, I have loved talking to you. I feel like we could talk about tarot for like a very long time, but I'm sure you have other things to do. Um, so as a final question, you know, what do you hope uh, readers take away from true heart intuitive tarot? Uh, I know. No. It's a heavy question. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a good question. It's just, um, well, I, I hope one, like selfishly as a writer, right? As a first time writer, which yeah. I just have to say, like, you know, we all got some ego. I hope that they, I hope they get the conversational tone. I kind of wanted it written like we were hanging out, you know? Mm -hmm. And by the way, as a writer, it took me a little bit to refine that and get to that, right? Because writing is rewriting, by the way. But also, I thought as a first-time writer, oh, I can. it'll be so easy. I'll just write the way I speak. But honestly, the way things land on a page is very different than how we speak sometimes. So I would stress out over one sentence for an hour, right? Just to, just to, but then when it finally lands the way you want so perfectly and gently on the page, it is magic. Um, so I, what I hope people get is a sense of empowerment from understanding that there's a tool out there that, you know, whether it's my deck or anyone else's, and my book is applicable to any Rider mm -hmm. Wade Smith kind of deck, by the way, but I hope they get a sense of empowerment and that, that in this world of today, you know, pandemic, presidency, all this weird stuff that, you know, we all feel so out of control. Here is a little tool that is just 78 paper cards that can yeah. help you feel more in touch with yourself. And hopefully people get in touch, you know, with their own magic. And then I do hope that people read the essays as well, because um, the focus of them is certainly not the racism I've endured, but there is a couple of essays about that because I think it's just Im important for people to understand that even someone like me who has had, frankly, a pretty privileged life in a sense, not really what people think though. Like everyone says to me, like, you're from, you're to the manor born. And I was like, I was in foster care from zero yeah. to nine. You don't know anything about me, you know? So I think it may just show Hopefully the essay showed too uh, how many layers there are to a person that you just don't know, right? And mm -hmm. it, it, that helps me because when I meet people, I know they have a story, right? I just don't, I don't just write them off because he's digging a ditch. That 
guy digging the ditch may have the most incredible story that can be told with nuances and layers that you just would not think about that connects you to humanity. So I think I'm hoping that is possible with the essays and then I'm hoping they feel good when they use the deck because I talk a lot about using it for shadow work and things like that and heaviness, but I really believe if we can break through some of the shadow and heavy, we break through to the sun and the light. So I'm hoping people realize doing a little bit of work is necessary. This is not the secret 07, <laughs> which I'm not knocking because I think it had some great Eastern ideas. They were just a little truncated. Yeah. And I think they, beautiful ideas. And all the writers on that book are great. But I think what it did was leave off the part of work. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I believe you can think you want that new bike that little Timmy gets in the secret. But I believe I remember reading that book going, why didn't little Timmy get a job? Like, why didn't he help his mom around the house yeah. for some money? Why? You know what I mean? Like every, even magic requires work. Yeah. I love it. That's perfect. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking with me. Before you let me go, what are some of the decks that tell, tell the people oh. some tarot books you like, because listen, oh gosh. I love, I love my book. I think it's really informative, right? It is, yeah. like I said, 200 plus page of interpretations of my stories. I also love me a Mary Kay Greer book, a Starhawk book, all these different things all add. So please add in a book. Sure. Of course. Book. Naturally. Um, I can't really see anything. I have to like turn around awkwardly because I can't remember <laughs> off the top of my head. So I have several decks back there. Um, the main deck I use probably the most is the Way Home Tarot from Everyday Magic. Um, and I have her book as well. Oh, she's lovely, by the she way. Is. I, I love- did a live for her and she was fab. She sent me some gorgeous crystals as a thank you. I have no doubt. Yes. Um, her, I, I follow her on Instagram and her crystal collection is, is quite impressive. No, no. I held these crystals and I was like, oh my God, they're the real deal. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, I have... Um, Oh, 78 Degrees of Wisdom. Um, That's a great book. Rachel Pollack's book is another one I meant to mention. Um, she's fabulous. She has some very knowledgeable books. Yeah, that is a that is a classic. Um, Michelle T's Modern Tarot. Oh, I love Michelle T. I just <laughs> did her podcast. We had did a fabulous you? time. And actually, I mentioned her in some interviews because she wrote a book of essays based around the, the major arcana of the tarot. So... I read those to make sure mine were nothing like them. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. No, really, though, because she, you know, had done something similar, but very different than my book. But I love Michelle T. So yeah. I, I recommend people read hers as well. Good taste. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, and my decks are a big mix of it. I have the... Um, oh, gosh, I don't even know. I have a couple Kickstarter decks. I love Kickstarter for... Um, tarot decks because you see some really interesting um indie decks that you would not really find anywhere else um and the art is just fabulous there's like a whole 1980s themes tarot deck i have over there um, <laughs> i do have the modern witch tarot um, that's another very ethnically diverse deck which is fabulous it is it is um i like um she wolf too i think it's called she wolf deck i have that one by uh Devaney serpent fire serpent okay. fire that's her name good deck there's a lot the point is people there's a lot of great decks out there and like I said I use my deck I use Rider weight I use an Egyptian deck from the 90s that's full of hot guys when I don't have a date I'm like <laughs> sure I, yeah. because I used to use the mother peace deck which I include their spread by the way you guys in my book it is a fantastic modified Celtic cross spread that I live by 
and uh, their deck is round. But back in the 90s, I was using their deck only. And then I went, I haven't had a date in so long. And then I realized <laughs> there's like no men in that deck. It's a very feminist oriented deck. Yeah. And it's great. But I was like, I need some men. <laughs> so then I have my Egyptian deck. But yeah, the point is for, for asking this question for you and me is to let people know it's not just one. Also, lastly, let me just spell a myth. You don't have to be gifted your first deck, people. I, who told you this? You're on, <laughs> you're drunken on at a party? Your yeah. friend who never did tarot? No, no, listen, I always say, would, would Serena Williams let someone else pick out her rackets for her? No, you, you, I'm not saying it's lovely to be gifted one. Trust me. It is. But if yeah. you pick it out yourself, you, you can pick the style you like. Right. And, and, and the art that you connect with. So I, I just really wanted to, unless that's your hardcore truth, then of course you sit and wait for someone to give you a deck. I would have never had a deck though. So Right. I, I say, you know, feel comfortable getting your own deck. <laughs> I agree. No, yeah, I bought my first one. Um, the Way Home was gifted to me and it was it was by a friend who had, I think she'd bought it for herself and then later realized she just did not connect at all with the, the deck and the art. And then, but she'd brought it in and I was looking through it. And I was like, oh, this makes <laughs> so much sense to me. I was like, I understand, you know, like you, I don't know. I can't explain what it's like to get a deck and you just, that in that intuition kicks in and you're like, I understand and can read what these cards are telling me. Right. Can and it tell, tell me a story and I can read with my deck, which is delightful for me that I, it's, you know, I designed it so that, uh, experienced people would be able to see all the layers that are in there, yep. but beginners would be able to grasp the concepts pretty quickly. And then, yes, I'm letting you, we're done, but I just want to say one thing to people out there because I get a lot of DMs from people saying, I want to write a book. I want to write a book. I want to write a book. And my advice is go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> no, really. Yeah. No, really. I'm saying what, what, don't wait for someone to give you permission to write the book. Just start writing the book and also take in that your first draft is indeed your first draft and it may go through many 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 iterations because i know a lot of people will write it their first draft and then they're like i'm done mm -hmm. and i like every writer had to learn it's a lot of refining it is a lot of going back it is a lot of not so much killing your darlings but calling them for another time letting yep. go of some things that you just thought were so clever but, but there's no room for that in there. So don't wait again for someone to say, now it's the time to write your book. If you believe your story or whatever you have to say is so great, stop telling everyone about it and write it and then show them. That is so much more impressive to people when, because we all talk about what we want to do. So yeah. if you can actually do it from beginning, middle to end, even if it's not the greatest thing in the world, it, half the people who succeed, it's just because they did it from beginning, middle to end again, I want to say one of the biggest, um, they talk about how talent, you know, is so important, right? But um, one of the bigger qualities is grit and tenacity. Yep. That is what makes people succeed is the ability to get back up and they've been kicked down. Or even with my own book, I think I took a month and a half to two months off at one point because I was like, I can't, I don't know, I don't know. Ah. <laughs> so I had to draw, you know, put it down and then start writing, you know, a paragraph at a time again or a sentence at a time just to get back in the groove. And also for you people who want to write nonfiction, you don't have to write the whole book, but you do need a book proposal. You can Google that yourself rather than hitting me up. You know, one of the other ways to hit people up on the Internet is if you let us know what you've already you've shown us the work that you've already put in. 
that'll probably get you an answer from someone, a stranger you're asking mm-hmm. for. If you just say, help me, it's a little overwhelming because I would spend all day helping other people or telling them how to do what I do. But if you say, well, I've done this, I've done that, I've done this, and I covered this, and I got all of a sudden, the person you don't know is like, oh, they're showing some, you know, yes. initiative here. So I encourage everyone who loves writing to try if that's your bag, man. I Again, it was a dream come true for me to write a book as an avid reader my whole life. Like they, I used to read a book a day and they didn't believe me and they tested me on comprehension and had to give me a gold star. I love it. I love it. I <laughs> well, love thank it. you, Jill. Thank, thank you, you so much for your time. You were a delight. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Hi there, I'm Heather Drago. And I'm Sarah Saunders. We host the podcast, That's a Hard No, about saying no and setting boundaries. So you can become that true and empowered you that this world needs. Saying no isn't just okay. It's the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor. So while this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy, I suppose I know what I'm talking about. I'd say so. We talk about learning to say no and set healthy boundaries and how it impacts mental health, physical health, relationships, parenthood, and more. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit our website, hardnopodcast.com. We're here to help you find your no and say it unapologetically. That's a hard no.